for everything geek pop culture. This is Comics Online, baby. Spoiler alert. You're listening to the Comics Online Podcast, Season 16, Episode 32, Part 2. In Part 2, we've got interviews uh, from our trip to Awesome Con in Washington, D.C., which was uh, June 4th through the 6th. Uh, we've got artist Philip Jean-Pierre, who's got a really interesting take on uh, Superman. Uh, you can check out his art, and that is at blackgorbachev.com. We've also got comic writer Justin Jordan, who recently just finished Luther Strode for Image Comics. So we'll start with our interview with Philip Jean-Pierre right now. Hello again, and welcome back to the Comics Online Podcast. Uh, my name is Michael Lunsford. I'll be your host today, and we have got... With us at AwesomeCon 2016, we've got artist Philip Jean-Pierre. Uh, you can check his art out at blackgorbachev.com. Philip, you got to tell me, man, where did the name from the website come? Uh, long story short, it was a, a trip to San Francisco for a bachelor party, and then there was a bruise, and then I ended up in the hospital, and it goes downhill from there. Okay, so you had a bruise similar to Gor- the mark on Gorbachev's head? Well, now the story doesn't sound exciting when you say it that way. Oh, I ruined it? It's kind of, it was, there was some sexy in it. I just didn't want to mention it for the sensitive members of your listeners. Oh, no, we're, uh, we're a hard R, so okay. there are no sensitive listeners okay. on this podcast, so you're, you're good. There was a cheetah thong involved, if that helps. <laughs> don't all good stories involve a cheetah thong at some yes. point? <laughs> yes, they all should. No, um, we met last night. And I know Kevin was just, like, captivated with the the concept that you had, the idea. And, I, I mean, it's something that I've come up with as well. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me a little bit about your theory that you have about Superman. Okay. It's, it always comes off as me. It always comes off as me throwing shade on Superman. But okay. I've never really, no one's ever really done, a, in my opinion, a really good job of explaining Superman's existence in the DC universe. Okay. The reason being is Superman literally is better than everything on the planet like that's pretty much how he's built like strongest fastest there are characters who parallel each aspect of his powers yeah however why is he here and what is his purpose like you you can be the hero and not be superman the question is is why does his particular archetype actually mean like he is the greatest of all time and it's because my opinion he's the ideal but it's not the singular ideal it's the ideal that we all live up to like that's his purpose like we like using the phrase scout as like yeah. he, that's who what he is yeah but it's he is supposed to be more than that so the concept of him being not just a guy who fights you know petty crime or fights villainous evil it's he's not just doing that he's literally doing the he's fighting to make not just the world but people better and through example, through action, and in this case, like, being able to, like, plan ahead that way. Yeah, and, okay. And I, okay, go ahead. No, I was, I was agreeing with you. No, and, okay. and with this whole multiverse thing, mm-hmm. anytime they throw in, like, a different way of doing things, mm-hmm. a different way that he's portrayed, like right now yeah. with uh, the Zack Snyder universe, which, by the way, when you have a guy who says on an interview out loud and it's recorded <laughs> – I don't really like Batman or Superman. They're not gory enough for me. I don't I, feel like he gets the point of Superman or I, Batman. I have a special hate for Zack Snyder. Yeah. Not because of his storytelling method, which, you know, yeah. question that aside. Because of him, I have to defend Superman. 
I am a Batman guy. <laughs> the pain in having to defend Superman yeah. hurts me to my core. Yeah. It's like any any baseball team having to defend the Yankees. You just don't want to do it. Like, ever. Like, like, ever. Like, you know they're an existence that you have to have. You just yeah. don't want to have to, like, justify it. And because of Zack Snyder, I've had conversations with people where I go, no, no, that's not what Superman is. Zack Snyder just hates light and joy. Yeah. Like, just what a dark dude. And, he's like, al- and honestly, it's, he's allowed his interpretation. And I'm yeah. not saying it's a interpretation that shouldn't be, like, accepted. It's just me personally, Superman scares me. He should. Like, if you take the concept of, like, he's better than everyone, there is literally nothing keeping him from literally just blowing this planet up and then going someplace else. Like, he's, yeah. like, he's like worse than Brainiac. I'm going to throw well, it out there right now. Well, with him, too, like... Batman goes on record at one point, and I'm, I'm trying to remember the exact words that he uses. But basically, he says, and he's referring to Clark. He goes, Clark has the power of a god, but chooses not to use it. God, I hope he never puts it together. Yeah. Like, it essentially means that he's a big baby, and if he ever grows up, he'll learn what he can do. Yeah. And, and it's with so much other stuff yeah. in the galaxy, I mean, in the universe, you see Darkseid, who's yeah. essentially death, more yeah. or less. I'm wondering if they'll ever come to a point where you see Superman as almost essentially like his antithesis. The irony of Darkseid is as evil as he is, and he is purely evil, Yeah, he has a balance and control that on some level you kind of respect. Yeah. Where like, it's not a, I wouldn't say it's consistent, yeah. but it is like kind of a logical, a logical existence that makes sense. Like, yeah. Darkseid, Apocalypse, hardcore, that's what he does. Yeah. Superman, the way that he's been portrayed as like irrational, um, reactive, yeah. and not and not acting in a way that makes you not fear him. Yeah. Like I mean, like the one thing that I will say this, Ben Affleck and I think Ben Affleck killed it in the movie. I do too, yeah. Um got right was the fact that this dude could snap at any given time. If there's a what did he say? If there's a one percent chance yeah. that he could wipe us all out. And he yeah. Like think about it, he sneezes and half a coast is gone. Yeah. And I think that's I mean, if you're going to talk about a purpose, I think that's what it is, yeah. is that you've got this man who has essentially unlimited power. Mm-hmm. Like, if he wanted to, he could just spend a week floating in space right next to the sun and yeah. supercharge himself yeah. and come down and decimate everything. Yeah. But he doesn't. And I think that's kind of the message they're going there with that, yeah. is we have this thing here, this great hero mm-hmm. who could be evil mm-hmm. or could be dominant of everything, but he chooses not to. Yeah. I mean, one of the, like, there's been a lot of interpretations. I think my favorite was uh, All-Star Superman okay. by Grant Morrison. Yeah. Um, because he tells Superman not so much in a hero in a hero mode. He talks to him more as, like, kind of a mythic creature yeah. who was raised with humans. But because he understands the connection to humans in all life, he actually, and but he is who he is. Yeah. He knows he has the ability to, like, connect that into, like, a longer picture and a global view of how, for lack of a better word, we can get better. Almost the Hercules yeah. thing. Like, uh, yeah. Uh, Hercules, the, Gilgamesh, yeah. like, yeah. that series of, like, great heroes who yeah. grew up human but ended up had a higher purpose and yeah. actually used that purpose to basically fulfill that purpose. Yeah, the DNA of the gods yeah. raised by humans. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that, like... It's so funny, too, because you have, um, and we kind of were talking about this last night, mm-hmm. that Batman and Superman are essentially different sides of the same coin. Yeah. You've I, got 
I mean, luckily, Superman, and they showed this with, like, uh, Red Sun, for instance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Luckily, Superman lived somewhere, or crashed somewhere, where he was raised by people with family values yeah, yeah. and good, strong moral code. <laughs> yeah. Like, because just imagine if he had landed, like, I mean, like we saw in Russia in yeah. Red Sun, or he had landed somewhere where it was some... He was raised as an orphan. Yeah. Like, if he just, like, they found oh, kid, yeah. Like, he, like, Take for like, yourself, yeah. What would your attachment be to anything? Yeah. Or even if he was raised in, like, let's say, we see it so much now, like this, you see kids who are good at a sport, for instance. Yeah. Say they're good at football, basketball, baseball. And they have those, like, alpha parents yeah. that have to run every aspect of their life. Yeah. And uh, you've got to be better than this. Imagine Superman shows a little bit of a glimmer of uh, ability as a football player. Yeah. All yeah. of a sudden, he starts playing football. He's out in the sun all the time. Mm-hmm. And or, he's just mowing cats over. Yeah. <laughs> like it's. Oh, worse, imagine if he's, like, an athlete and he's, yeah. like, one of those, like, cushioned, protected, like, yeah. cherished athletes who's raised on a pedestal. Exactly. And never been told, like, you can't do this because it's wrong. No, and we've seen that so many times. Yeah. Like, there was that case in uh, in Ohio with the football players. Yeah, where exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so if you're that protected and that sheltered, like, imagine if you have all the powers in the world. Um, uh, one of the books I read is um, The Cape. Yeah. Um, written by Joe Hill. Um, and uh, it was il- it, uh, it was illustrated, and one of the concepts behind it is, is what happens if someone gets superpowers, but you know they have no moral code. Yeah. Um, and but and, and what would they do? And it's one of the, it's it's actually probably one of the more interesting takes on the entire process. But back to Superman, the thing like I've always loved most between him and Batman was everyone makes the argument that Batman would beat Superman. Oh yeah, this is such a Okay, we're R-rated, so this is a bullshit <laughs> argument. Like, it's Batman, Superman lets him win. Yes. I mean, honestly, it's a fight they go through where Superman goes, all right, what do you want? And and Batman kind of tries to slap him around a little bit. And it's more of like Batman going, let me convince you I can beat you, and I'm smarter than you, and that my argument's better in the middle of a yep. fight. Well, and, like, also, too, it's it, he's essentially convincing Superman, hey, I could beat you in a fair fight. Yeah. But if Superman really wanted to, it would be like, oh, no, 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 there's no fair fight. <laughs> Ever a fair fight. I'm going to evaporate your face with my laser eyes. Exactly. Like, it's, what, what do you have for that? Like, yeah. and, and even in, we saw it in Batman vs. Superman. He had his gun, okay, mm-hmm. which people were freaking out yeah. about, by the way, which was stupid. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> he's got his gun and he's shooting, like, kryptonite dust. Yeah. And, like, it was, it was like watching a video game yeah. fight. Because it was like, oh, quick, you got to use it so you can weaken him for a second. And, like, he beats him up for a minute, and then Superman's like, all right, you know what, I've had enough. And yeah. he, like, throws him to the ground. Exactly. It was, yeah. It's, I mean, the, I mean, the purpose of both Batman and Superman is that it's like, with Batman, yep. his strength comes from his struggle, the tragedy he lives with. So his entire existence exists within a tunnel of tragedy, yep. like not being able to come into that tragedy. You know, I frankly would be a little annoyed at Alfred for going, this kid's parents were shot in front of him. You need to go find a doctor. Like, this kid is not right. And I'm going to let him go to Tibet and <laughs> learn how to be a ninja and shit. Learn like, whatever. To, it's cool. Learn multiple ways to kill people instead of actually going to a doctor and going, this kid saw stuff. He should probably process this in a healthy way that does not involve throwing stars. Hey, you know what? Let's just have him live in a giant mansion with just a butler. He'll be fine. He's, a, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's young. He'll be all right. Yeah, and then you go back to Superman, who's like the strength through idealism yeah. and hope and, you know, just the promise of there can be a better day. Yeah. And I will say this, however. The one thing I do know is that the one thing they're selling is it's not a better day tomorrow. It's just it'll come. It's just not going to be fun or pretty. When it, but when it does happen, it will happen. Like, yeah. that was the one thing about Superman's existence that always worked for me. 
And that's, I mean, and that's, I'm actually rocking a Superman shirt today. Mm-hmm. He's always been my favorite. Yeah. Like, I, not I'm, mine. I'm not a fanboy. <laughs> I'm not one of those people that's like a Superman apologist where every time somebody's like, oh my God, Batman's better, like, I'll listen to it. But I've always loved what he stood for that, that symbol of hope, the symbol of, I don't have to snap Zod's neck yeah. until they decided to change that, yeah. you know? Let me, let me reiterate. I'm a Batman guy. Yeah. However, I recognize that the other side of that coin has to be Superman. Yeah. And, you know, where the, like he's one of those, he's like that popular kid in school who you can't really find any fault in him, but, but you still don't want to like him because then it just kind of makes him better. <laughs> but you still, but you like him and you want to yeah. like him, but you don't want to actually say it to his face because, you know, it's, it's his face. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever see um, uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall? Yes. Where it's... <laughs> Um, the two guys are out in the ocean and they're floating and he's talking to Aldous Snow and Aldous Snow says something to him about like his music. He's like, oh, you're like a gothic Neil Diamond. He's like, that's exactly what I was going for. Fuck, you're cool. Like, I want to hate you. That's, he's that's, Superman. That's, that's him. That's literally him in yeah. the show. Yeah. And so, like I said, with the Rebirth stuff, I'm actually happy. Yeah. Getting back to it. Um, the Superman on the farm with Lois and the kid makes me so happy. It's completely ridiculous. Yeah. But it's just fun to watch. So, uh, yeah, so I mean. My son I'm, had to interrupt us to let me know that Kevin's here. Okay. Yay, Kevin's here. Kevin, yay. Hey. So, no, it, like, it's, a, it's, a great, it's a great concept. And like yeah. I said, Superman's always been fun. Yeah. I kind of parallel him like more of the idealism than the actual like Superman who can go around the world and push planets around. I gotcha. So. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about like, what you're working on, like your projects that you got going on um, like on your website. I mean, I know you're kind of freelancing right now. Um, right now, I am working on a sketchbook. I'll be at Heroes Con in two weeks. Okay. Um, the book should be ready for that. Uh, it's uh, my very first sketchbook, so I'm a little nervous about it. Nice. Um, so everyone should come by it and then tell me how much it sucks, so I'll do better next time. But um, <laughs> yeah. it's just, it, it, it's, this is like my first real, like I've been doing freelance stuff for corporate America and like corporations and backroom stuff for like movies and commercials and stuff. Yeah. So doing the comic thing is something I've been always wanted to do, and I just never really put my foot in into it. So this, is, this year's been my year to kind of push that forward. It's slow and kind of awkward because I'm learning some new things, but overall, that's it. Like I said, I'm doing. Like I said, I'll be at Heroes Con, and I think maybe New York Comic Con. Oh, nice! But I am not sure. So, okay. but if you're in Heroes, stop by and say hi. Okay. Now, if you guys want to check out his awesome work, it is going to be blackgorbachev.com. Let me spell that for you in case you don't know. That is black, uh, like the color, and then Gorbachev, which is G O R B A C H E V dot com. This was Philip Jean-Pierre. Thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Cool. Thanks for having me. I appreciate course, it. Man. Good meeting you guys. All right, guys. So that was artist Philip Jean-Pierre. Uh, you can check out his stuff at his website, blackgorbachev.com. Coming up next, we've got comic writer Justin Jordan, who just finished uh, Luther Strode for Image Comics and is working on a number of other projects as well. So let's go ahead and jump into that interview. All right, guys, we are at AwesomeCon 2016. I'm Mike Lunsford here for Comics Online. For everything geek pop culture, this is Comics Online. We've got Justin Jordan with us right now. He is a writer, a comic book writer, in fact. Uh, What else would we be talking to at Comic-Con, right? Justin, tell us a little bit about what you're uh, you're working on right now, man. Hi. Well, right now I just finished the uh, Legacy of Luther Strode, which is the third miniseries in our Luther Strode series. Um, that'll be the third and final one. That was out from Image Comics. Um, I'm still doing the book called Spread from Image Comics. The new issue of that will be out in July. We're starting a new arc. And then also in July, I'm doing a book called Sombra at Boom, um, which Sombra is basically 
Heart of Darkness meet you know, or Apocalypse Now in Cartel Mexico. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. And then in August, I think I've got a uh, Evil Ernie project coming out from Dynamite. Wow. Um, and I get a bunch of other stuff that's either greenlit and or written that has not been announced yet, so I have no idea when it's coming out. <laughs> so as far as like the the kind of explain to uh, our listeners w- when it comes to being a writer for comics, how it works. Is it something where you kind of show your portfolio one day, you say, hey, here's the stuff that I got. Here are my writing samples. Here's what I can do. And then they just start giving you stuff? Or are you coming up with these ideas on your own and pitching them to the companies? Uh, neither, kind of. Uh, okay. It's, it's more the former now. Um, okay. So the way I broke into comics was I had had spent 10 years doing self-published mini comics, uh, self-published full comics. I was in a bunch of anthologies, did a bunch of stuff. So I did that for like 10 years. Okay. And, and I was pitching, pitching stuff to like whoever would actually take open pitches. So Image, uh, Dark Horse, even pitched the Vertigo once or twice. I got an in there with an editor and stuff. Nothing, nothing ever came of it. Just yeah. got them to say, yes, you can email me stuff. <laughs> um, and then I, uh, I put together Luther Strode with uh, Trad Moore, um, who's the artist on that. And we just pitched it to Image through the blind submission process. Now, once that, they, they said yes. Once that happened, everything happened very quickly. And it was kind of one of those 10 years to an overnight success kind of thing. Because as soon as Luther Strode was coming out, like, I immediately start getting work. And the way it worked work then was uh, the companies would approach me with projects. And were like, the first one was like, hey, do you want to reboot Team 7 for DC? And oh, I wow. loved Team 7 when I, back in the 90s. So yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, now it's a little different. Now I do, in fact, I'll have ideas and I will pitch to uh, DC or whoever. I'm like, hey, it'd be awesome if you did a book on X. Let's do that. That kind of stuff. But yeah, uh, yeah at the beginning, you kind of got to do your own work, get it noticed, and then people start approaching you. There are probably other ways to do it. It's one of the things I found about in comics. There's no one path. Okay. So it, there is really, like, if you were giving advice to somebody who wanted to get into comic writing, there is no one path. There, you kind of keep trying all your different means until you get what yeah, you Yeah, Andy Diggle made the quote, and I don't know that it's original to him, but it's who I remember saying it, is yeah. that like uh, comic, breaking into comics is like breaking out of prison. Every time somebody does it, that way it gets closed, which is not entirely true, but it's close enough, so everybody gets in kind of a different way. Yeah. There are absolutely people who've submitted directly to Marvel and DC and gotten work. Yeah. Um, the more common path now is to do your own stuff. And then eventually you do something significant enough to get noticed. Like, notably, uh, Sam Humphreys self-published Our Love is Real. Yeah. Uh, and that got him noticed by Marvel when he got Marvel work and DC work. And now Image is off the back of that. Uh, and so that can work. Uh, and, you know, some people have come from other things. And some people have been editors and, you know, kind of worked their way in. So there are a lot of different ways to do it. I think the easiest and the most common way is to just do work. And then get that work seen. You know, yeah. you kind of kind of level up and get, you know, image still has open submissions and stuff. Very rarely people actually make it through. Uh, it's rare enough that Jonathan Hickman and I are still mentioned as the two success stories for blind pitches to uh, image. Yeah. But it, it can and does happen. I know another person who's managed to do it. Okay. So when it comes to the creative process, when it comes to what you come up with character-wise, what what inspires you? Like, are you are you big on watching TV? Are you a big reader? Are you big movies? Like, uh, I'm a big reader. I most of my inspiration though, actually, for comics is like movie and reading stuff. I, I'm I'm big into crime novels and stuff. And although most of my stuff is not strictly crime genre, yeah, that and like Quentin Tarantino movies and stuff have influenced me. Um, there are other influences yeah. too. Like, I I steal various things from various people. 
so that's like uh, in in Strode. The first Luther Strode opens with like this flash forward of this incredibly violent thing, which I kind of it's a different thing, but the concept I lifted from Goodfellas. And the thing yeah. about Goodfellas is, and the same reason I did it. So Goodfellas opens with them taking a guy out of a trunk and then killing him and burying him. Yeah. If you didn't know, if you didn't have that scene, Goodfellas goes a long way before you hit the brutal stuff. Yeah. So I think that was Scorsese's way of kind of prepping the audience the for where the story was going to go. Yeah, the whole is, frame story is, thing. Yeah. Which is certainly why I did it. Uh, yeah. I wanted people, because I know the beginning of Luther Strode is such that when we get to the really intense violent stuff, if we didn't have some sort of warning, that's how the book was. It was going to seem like a too harsh veering into left field. So I got you. Yeah. Um, well, that being said, you know, and, and actually... Um, Chuck Palahniuk, the guy who wrote Fight Club, right, right. he had said too. Um, you were talking about kind of you kind of steal your ideas from other places. He was saying that like any like he was you know average middle class white guy that was public school educated. He's like, there's no way that I'm going to come up with something that a million other people haven't come up with as well. It's just, can I tell the story a different way? Oh yeah, can I tell Absolutely. it in a unique way? Yeah. Um, if people follow me on Facebook, like I after will just idly post ideas and stuff. And yeah. one of the things that happens is often like, almost invariably, people want to chime in. Like that sounds like, well, and it's it's everything. Yeah. There's no story that you could possibly tell that doesn't sound like something that's already been told. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and and folks, if you do want to chime in on his Facebook, that is Justin Jordan. In case you missed the beginning. It is. My uh, profile picture is an adorable blonde cat. Well, there you go. Justin Jordan, adorable blonde cat. Okay, take a look for it. Uh, if you had a preference, coming up with original characters or taking an existing character and kind of rewriting it. Like you had mentioned that uh, they said, hey, we want you to go ahead and fix X or fix Y. What would you prefer? Oh, original characters. Original characters? Yeah, and I mean, that's not that I don't like doing, uh, working with work for hire stuff. And there is, yeah. there is something... I like doing both. I prefer doing the original thing, but I was just, I was actually talking with Paul Jenkins about just that, actually. Yeah. There, there is benefit to your skills, and there is something intellectually satisfying about trying to find a new take on a character that's already existed, right? Yeah. And sometimes that's nigh impossible. There have been so many iterations of Batman that to find something new to do with Batman that no one has ever done, yeah. you're probably not going to. But yeah. with like Team 7 and stuff, which was relatively just one run and stuff, there was different things to do with it. And, it's, and not yeah. all of that's me. Some of that is demands of editorial and stuff. But yeah. working within those restrictions is valuable. You know what I mean? It's, it's, um, it's like when people do poetry, right? Obviously, you can do free verse poetry, which is just whatever. But like, if you're limiting yourself to iambic pentameter, yeah. you have to work your creativity within this balance. And it's like working a muscle. You're developing restriction helps you develop skill. Yeah, and a lot of people too. Like, and a good parallel that I have with this, since we're doing a podcast right now, is when um, it was like right after the Super Bowl that Janet Jackson had her boob show up, and the FCC freaked out yeah. and like put harsh limitations on pretty much all radio. Right. And for me, as much as I love cursing, cursing is fucking great. It's you really find out how creative you are and you find out really how intelligent you are of being able to tell a story and describe something that might be horrible and vile but without actually cursing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, for instance, when we're doing Sombra, Sombra yeah. is, uh, like I said, it focuses on Cartel Mexico yeah. and that, that stuff is horrible. It's fucking horrible. Oh, it's yeah. It's awful. But the book is not a mature rated book. It's 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 yeah. not an all ages book per se. But yeah, you're not going to hand it to your six year old. Yeah, exactly. But there are limits to what we can say. It's swearing wise, and there are limits to what we could show. But yeah. I actually view that as a good thing because we have to work harder to get the horror across without actually being graphic about it, and that is yeah. good. That's the same deal with like the, the the cliche example of that is Psycho. Yeah, there's no no you never see knife hit skin in Psycho. No. 
Uh, it's the same way with like Halloween, the original Halloween. Yeah. Almost bloodless. Yeah. Nobody remembers that because yeah. our minds fill in the blank. So yeah. working under those challenges is, is useful. Well, and that's something that you see a lot too with modern horror as well is it's all about like it, it shocks me when we see so many horror movies that are PG-13. Yeah. And they're just trying to appeal to the mass audience and they're missing the point. So many of them want that like the blood and the gore and the oh look at this scary monster when some of the best horror movies are the ones where you barely even see the monster. Oh, absolutely. Or, you, or like for instance, The Shining. Yep. The, the Kubrick Shining is such a slow burn, but it builds and it builds and it builds and it builds and like the crescendo to it is just amazing. With that being said, is that kind of the style that you go for where you come almost go like old school or, or retro in the way that you tell the stories instead of going for a lot of what we're seeing modern stylistically? Uh, it, it varies, uh, and it depends on what we're talking about. So yeah. if you've read, if you read Luther Strode and Spread, they're very gory, very explicit. So yeah. Luther Strode, uh, Luther Strode is gory for a reason, and the reason Luther Strode is gory, uh, I'll try to keep this relatively brief, is <laughs> so the standard superhero comic is uh, Batman finds people committing crimes, beats them up, Commissioner Gordon or whoever takes them in, yeah, and that's the end of it. It's fine. In real life, beating the crap out of people hurts. It sucks. Uh, if you knock somebody out, you're like to kill them. Uh, if you give somebody a concussion, they're probably screwed up for life. Yeah. But we're so inured to the base level of violence in comics like that kind of stuff, it doesn't have the impact you wanted. So Luther Strode is hyper-violent to make the violence something we notice again. You know what I mean? We had a point yeah. in doing it that way. It's not. Yeah. It, it, there's nothing wrong with doing gore for the sake of gore uh, or that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but we, we had a reason to do it. And uh, so, yeah, but... I'm a, I, I try to hark back to literary techniques and that kind of stuff and, and older kind of stuff and try to try to figure out. The thing is, is everybody has done what you want to do. So what yeah. you need to do is figure out who's done it and figure out how they did it. You know what I mean? And who did it right. Yeah. 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 Now, if you were to get Marvel, DC, doesn't matter, anybody comes to you and says, hey, I want you to do this character. And it is your dream job to reboot them and give them a, a unique take, your own personal take. Who would it be? Oh, Batman. Batman? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that I could. Like, I, I know I could write Batman. I don't know that I could come up with something that nobody's ever done with Batman. But I think I, that's the other thing. It's not always necessary to reinvent the wheel. I think yeah. I could tell a perfectly good Batman if story. They just, if yeah. they were like, you would love to write Batman is basically yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, in the more in the more realistic rebooting thing, like uh, it's yeah. not so much reboots, but I've actually pitched DC on letting me do a Bane book because I like the character. Yeah. And Bane is a character that there are... There are qualities built into the character that have not been explored in stories yeah. that I think would be worth doing. And that, that's the kind of thing where I feel like I can kind of work with stuff. And when I was doing, I did, uh, I did a long run several years on uh, Green Lantern New Guardians, uh, which was the Kyle Rayner stuff. And obviously there's been a lot of Kyle stories, but Kyle, and he was working with these Templar Guardians who were new. Yeah. And he was in a situation that was new. So that was all stuff that I felt like I could do something that hadn't been done. And that's just creatively satisfying. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So... In the grand scheme of things, are you ever going to take this to the next level? Are you going to stick with comics, or are you going to try to write movies? Are you going to try to write um, television, or, or are yeah. you pretty happy where you're at? Uh, I don't want comics to be a sideline, but I do. I do. I have. I have. I've done done some work in television and movie stuff that, that's happening and continues to happen. And yeah. honestly, the thing there is, I like doing that stuff too, and I wanted to do that back in the day, yeah. and I. Wouldn't object to doing it, and honestly, the money is obscene. So yeah. that's kind of the other thing is, like, like ideally, honestly, what I what I would really like to do is have Mark Millar's career or Mark Miller's career. I, uh, 
I know it's Miller, but my brain cannot accept that it's not Millar. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I, I don't want to write right like him necessarily, but like the way he has managed to get the movie stuff in there and use that to create a very thriving comic book career because his yeah. books, his creator-owned stuff sells a ton of stuff and he gets to work with great people because he has money to do it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if I could get a gig writing a television you know, thing, a couple hundred thousand dollars to do that, right? You know, like that would go I mean, a long way to make to, me, right? yeah, right? Yeah. Terrible burden of having to be paid a lot of money to do something I like to do. Absolutely. Yeah. So I would like to do that stuff, but I don't. I don't want comics to be the sideline because I love comics, and that's I, that's who brought me to the dance, and I want to stick with that. All right, fantastic. Well, everybody, this was Justin Jordan. You can check him out on all of the different projects that he is working on. We will actually have uh, a link to your stuff. Do you have a website that we can plug? Or not really? <laughs> <laughs> it's just Facebook, and then I'm Justin underscore Jordan on Twitter. There you uh, go. So Justin underscore. Uh, Jordan on Twitter, so uh, at Justin underscore Twitter. <laughs> Justin underscore Jordan. There, third time. Got it. Sweet. Finally. Uh, and then again, Justin Jordan on Facebook. You can check out all his work and all the things that he's working on. Thanks again, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Of course. All right, guys, so that was Justin Jordan. Big thanks to him. Uh, and big uh, blah, blah, blah. All right, so that was Justin Jordan, guys. Uh, big thanks to him for coming on the podcast. Check out his work whenever you get a chance. But also big thanks to Philip Jean-Pierre. And also um, check out his work as well. But that's going to do it for part two of the Comics Online podcast. Uh, we've got more coming up. We've got our next bunch of interviews, which is going to be part three. That is going to be all the cosplayers that we interviewed. So definitely stay tuned for that. And remember... For everything geek pop culture, this is Comics Online, baby. Thank you, John St. John. And that is going to do it for episode... 32 part two uh stay tuned for part three believing to our builders to going off like gamma bombs with your internet browser to comics online.com